Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Renee Report. Today's episode of the Renee Report, we're going to be bringing back a series that I really liked. I originally believe I called it Daily Dose, but as it's not something that I feel as though I can do on a daily basis, it didn't really make sense to name it that. So we're changing the name to Renee Recap. And by doing so, this is going to be a series that coincides with the sports betting series but does not take priority over the sports betting episodes that will be coming out every single week. The Renee recap, you should also be looking for it to be released on a weekly basis, though, as it is a way that people who want to be aware of what exactly is going around them in the sports realm, but don't exactly have the time, whether it being job or a school or something going on. And this is basically just a way of me giving you the last up to a week of sports information that I deem to be very valuable towards your knowledge of sports, as well as maybe if you want to get into betting, such as I am. You know, it's a really good way of figuring out what's important, but not just getting a bunch of articles thrown in your face that aren't important. A lot like the news, where, you know, if you go to CNN platforms, all the stories or what's important, you're just going to get the huge headline. And what I plan to do with the Renee recap is just to give you the real meat and bones of the sports stories of the week. So let's dive right into it. Quickly, I just want to start the episode by going over some notable injuries caused by week six. Tight end for the Seattle Seahawks, tight end Will Disley has suffered a torn Achilles injury. And unfortunately, it does not appear he will be returning this season. He's had a really big factor in Seattle's offense and a big reason why Russell Wilson is ahead of the MVP candidate right now. So that's a pretty big loss for Seattle. Personally, I don't really mind it. Not a very big Seattle fan, but still worthwhile to know. Another really key injury is the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive end Stefan Tuitt, who's been playing out of his mind as a pectoral injury that appears to be out for the season, which is horrible news. You hate to see that for anybody. To the Steelers' dismay, they also have their running back, James Conner, who suffered a quad injury in the end of the fourth quarter while he was already injured heading into the game, and Joe Hayden got a groin injury, which is another injury you really don't want to see. Last but not least, Aqib Tlaib is actually heading to the injury reserve list with a rib injury that is a huge blow. This is really a big blow, more because the Rams' defense has already been a bit disappointing for at least its standards as an elite defense, as well as the offense by Jet, led by Jared Goff has just seemed very mediocre at best to begin this season. So we're past the injuries of the week and the bummers. We can get into the meat and bones of the NFL Week 6 takeaways. Can't believe I'm saying this, but Killer Kyle, Kyle Allen of the... Charlotte Panthers is going to take Cam Newton's job. He is going to take his job, and he's going to run with it. They can't bench somebody who is undefeated in this many weeks. The team runs too well, makes too little mistakes, and lets the defense do what it does best, win us football games. Now seen our first firing of the 2019 season, and Jay can't coach an NFL team Gruden. just want to go over... Four other coaches, two that I believed will be fired by the end of the season, and two that I'm a little unsure of, but I think it definitely could happen. Two coaches that are in the hot seat and two coaches that should be worried about their job security in the 2019 NFL season. Team that I believe is highest on the list, you might ask? Well, that would be the Cleveland Browns, 
My goodness, folks, they've tricked us all. Wait a minute, they didn't trick us at all. We knew this was coming. It's the Cleveland Browns, folks. I know they have talent all across the board. Their offense seems electric, but I'm telling you, if you watch the games, Baker Mayfield throws more interceptions than actually any quarterback in the National Football League through the games he's started. He is too mistake-prone, especially to be thrown with a head coach in Freddie Kitchens. That has not only not prepared him correctly, but very similar to the Hugh Jackson-like days, it appears that he has reverted back to his old habits that he got from Oklahoma. This being said, I believe that the scapegoat of this situation will indeed end up being Freddie Kitchens, and that Baker Mayfield does need a change, and this offense in general just needs more of a figure that is going to make them play serious and together versus letting the offense and the players themselves run the locker room and the decisions you make, because clearly that's not working out. The last coach that's on the hot seat of this week's Renee recap that I do believe will actually end up losing his job by the end of the season is coach of the Titans, Mike Vrabel. Know what you're thinking. The Titans have a nasty defense, and indeed, they do have a very dominant, well-put-together defense. But at the end of the day, they don't make the big plays, they don't create turnovers, and they're on the field far too much because of a horrible selection in the quarterback under center in Marcus Mariota. Again, everyone knows how it goes. You're not going to blame the quarterback, especially someone you selected so high. You're going to attempt to first make it a scapegoat situation where you blame the coach for the quarterback's mishaps. And this is why I believe that Mike Vrabel, Vrabel excuse me, will end up losing his job. Two coaches that I do feel I need to add to this list with a bit of a asterisk next to their name, if you will. Dan Quinn of the Falcons and the Cowboys head coach that is somehow still their head coach is Jason Garrett. Now these two coaches I do not believe will lose their job, nor will be fired by the end of the season, but if they continue the abysmal starts that they've had to this season, then I definitely think it is a possibility. Now Dan Quinn of the Falcons, the team is just overall playing like trash, they played well last week against a Cardinals defense that was basically asking them to play well, and they still didn't play good enough to win the game. Now, all, all of that being said, Matt Ryan played his ass off, four touchdowns, looked very good throwing the ball and very comfortable. But against any formidable defense, this won't be the case. Falcons are just simply too injury-struck and out of luck this season and the basically the last two seasons that I believe Dan Quinn is definitely deserving to be on this list and possibly could lose his job. Last on this list is my favorite head coach to talk about, which is Jason Garrett. Now, I don't think this guy should have had his job for the last three seasons. I think they probably would have been to one Super Bowl at the very least in the last three years. But all that being said, he is still in a position to hold his job. Now, this team started off very hot. Dak Prescott, still looking for a contract, started off 2-0, beat up some really bad defenses in Miami, and defenses that just really couldn't hold up to the high-powered offense of Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. So you're probably thinking, oh, why are they on this list then, Carson? Well, I'll tell you right now. The answer is they're not using Ezekiel Elliott properly. That's one. Their defense is on the field too much. That's two. And then three, Dak Prescott. I think NFL teams are starting to figure him out, or at the very least, he's starting to come back to reality that he is a very good quarterback but still very young. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains. The Cowboys say they're going to stick with him. And from the looks of everything that he's done so far in his career, I don't think they're going to end up riding the ship and figuring out what's wrong and getting their players healthy.
And let's move on to the NBA as that is fastly approaching. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. Obviously, it's going to be a lot of NFL and NBA on the Rene recap as those are both sports that I love. Many more, but at the moment, those are just the two hot ones. So let's get into the NBA. The big NBA news you need to be aware of right now would certainly be the conflict or, in my opinion, debacle of the China basketball games that were supposed to be happening in October, later October to be exact. I believe the Lakers and one other team, maybe Houston, no, Brooklyn Nets is who it was. So the Rockets and the Brooklyn Nets were supposed to be playing in China. And as usual, Daryl Morey does what Daryl Morey does. Now, if you are not aware, listening to this podcast, Daryl Morey is the GM of the Houston Rockets. He is someone who is constantly outspoken and really just, you know, he uses the, <laughs> the right of free speech very often. And he uses it almost all the way to the line in this situation where he speaks on protests that have been going on in Hong Kong specifically. And I believe he posted a picture as he tweeted and basically just said his support for the protesters in Hong Kong. China responded by basically, (laughs) this sounds funny, but they got rid of all apparel of the Rockets in their stores, replaced it with Lakers or other popular teams. And they basically have stopped communication with the Rockets, which was before a very good relationship with the likes of Yao Ming playing so many awesome years in a Rockets jersey, as well as they canceled the games with the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers that were supposed to be happening in later October. Funny enough, when China actually ended up releasing a statement on this, instead of going after Daryl Morey, it appears they're actually more upset at the commissioner of the NBA in Adam Silver, as they multiple times mention Adam Silver's name and the disanguish the response he has made didn't really give an opinion on whether or not China was in the right or we were in the wrong, but more just said that he regretted the way that it was handled in general, and in exception to the fact that there is a right to free speech, and all of his employers have the right to say what they want because of that. So he was not going to basically take away Maury's statement or say it was not fair because it, he has a right to say whatever he feels like. That being said, China did not find that a very adequate answer, and that's why we're in the situation we're currently in. The implications that this is all caused, the implications are that China has a $1.5 billion agreement with the U.S. on streaming in regards to strictly the NBA. So this is obviously a big agreement and a big deal, a big chunk of change that the NBA and China could be both kind of toying with with one another. To mention that the NBA is very popular... And people like Steph Curry and specifically James Harden of the Houston Rockets are a very hot commodity. So the fact they would be willing to cut ties with the Rockets is a big deal as they're losing James Harden. And a lot of people, I'm sure, in China are very upset at the U.S., but also upset at China for what they're doing to the Rockets. Oddly enough, we also had a few NBA players chime in on this topic. Enos Cantor, who, if any of you are not aware was not actually allowed to go back to his home country of, hmm, is it Turkey, I believe? So I believe he was banned from his country, which is where his family, his brothers and sisters all live, and apparently his dad has also been sent to jail. So he was basically just saying that, you know, we need to fight for our rights and that rights are not free and that there's a lot of countries where our rights get taken advantage of. So he was basically just sticking by what Daryl Morey said and the stance that the NBA has taken.
Then LeBron James just randomly chimes in on the situation, as again, he usually does. Basically just says, hey, like, I wanted to play in China, what the fuck is going on? Like, why couldn't you wait till after the games were played to say something as insensitive as this on a topic that he doesn't think that Daryl Moore was very aware of? And basically, he just had no opinion on the matter other than that he wanted to play in China and that he was upset it affected him. So basically, me, me, me is what I'm hearing. <laughs> best part of the entire situation is that Daryl Morey, someone who is obviously not in the generation of the 20 to 30 year olds who are a little bit more aware and up to date with the information of social media, Daryl Morey puts out this tweet, realizes, oh my goodness, it might be a little insensitive and deletes the tweet like that would do anything. Daryl, you know how many people have taken a screenshot of the tweet the second you send it? Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. But I mean, that's classic generational gap find yourself in a situation like this, and I'm sure the NBA is pissed at Daryl Moore. Basic uh, takeaways from this situation should just basically be that Daryl Morey did not exactly think of the ramifications of his actions, and that China is probably, you know, giving a little bit of a hard stance on this, but there is big implications with that $1.5 billion agreement that I think both countries will probably have to come to an agreement of some sort, just because both countries love each other enough as far as the NBA goes, where it is a necessity that China has the NBA, and it's also a necessity that the NBA has China. As we head closer into this NBA season, I just quickly want to go to the top five teams heading into the NBA new season. Numero uno on this list has to be, and I repeat, has to be, the Los Angeles, wait for it, no, not the Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. Now, if that was your whole offseason, that's one hell of an offseason. But the reason that they're number one is because not only did they get two of the best do-it-all players as far as clutch, play amazing defense, and score the basketball at a ridiculously efficient rate, but they also kept their team together. They have depth that is unbelievable. They have the likes of young studs such as Shamit, Motley, they have Harris, they have Lou Williams, who's constantly in the conversation for six men of the year. This is the number one team. This is the Bucks of this season. We're going to win 60 plus games and topple everyone else, even in the Western Conference. They're going to dominate. Number two, and this pains me to say, Golden State actually did a pretty good job. They lost a key piece in Kevin Durant. Sure, very true. They added Willie Cauley-Stein. They're finally going to be able to get rebounds due to this. Very good defender. Likes to run fast-paced offense. They added D'Angelo Russell. Oh my god, how did they get D'Angelo Russell? This is not fair. Now obviously he's going to be left wide open because Curry and Clay are two of the best shooters I've ever seen with my own eyeballs. Then they still have Draymond Green. Their depth has certainly taken a little bit of a hit, specifically in the shooting guard to small forward. They just don't really have anything. But as far as centers go and power forwards, they're set. So they are still going to have a great year. And it's finally going to be a year that Curry can play as Matt's potential. Because ever since Durant has been there, he's basically just been holding himself back. And it makes a lot of sense that Curry would have an MVP-like season this season. We have at number three, the Houston Rockets. A lot of uh, topic on the Houston Rockets today, huh? <laughs> um, basically, they're the exact same team. And when I say that, I mean it. Austin Rivers, blah, 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 same exact team. P.J. Tucker is their best 
Starting small forward, that's a little questionable. Their best backup shooting guard is Iman Shumpert, that's hella questionable. Basically, the depth on this team is a very big concern, and if any injuries to Russell Westbrook or to Harden is going to be an actual problem. But, that being said, Russell Westbrook and Harden being back together is going to be epic. Eric Gordon will be doing Eric Gordon-type things. This is going to be a team that is going to be very fun to watch. They have an issue in Clint Capella, in my opinion, who they paid that $100 million to in year three. In year four, which is last season, he regressed heavily. So look for him to hopefully not regress in year five and have a big breakthrough. If that happens, they could be higher on this list. If he regresses even farther, they could be much lower on this list. Due to the fact that Houston Rockets have very little depth, I think it is imperative that Clint Capella have this breakout season and that these role players who are not very good really step up their game and play better than they really should. Number four, and who I wish was probably higher on this list, is the Denver freaking Nuggets. My goodness, there is a backup on a backup's backup that is better than the majority of seventh mans in the NBA. I am telling you, this team is stacked on depth. They have Jamal Murray in his third year. Feels like he's a veteran. He's more clutch than 98% of the freaking league. They had then have a Jokic, freaking superstar, followed by Michael Porter coming back, going to be healthy as ever. They have depth at wings, point guard. They have a great backup. I mean, the whole team is just absolutely stacked to have a great year, and I really think they could also be another team like the Bucks that come out of nowhere and really surprise people. Last on this list, and again, not happy to talk about it, but the Los Angeles Lakers coming at fifth on this list. Any team that adds the likes of LeBron James and Anthony Davis is a top five team in the NBA. I don't care who it is. I don't care if you're the Charlotte Hornets. If you add Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you're a top five team. That is actually not the reason they are on this list. Again, I'm pretty surprised to say it, but they got some great acquisitions in the offseason. They got Quinn Cook, lethal shooter. Avery Bradley, great defender. Danny Green, clutch and great shooter. Costas Antetokounmpo could be like his brother and start to put on some weight and really improve his career. DeMarcus Cousins and Dwight Howard together. That is Block City, my friends. JaVale McGee behind him. That's perfect. Lance Stevenson. I mean, I hate to admit it, but they have a pretty damn good mishmash of players. The chemistry is the real issue there and the thing I would be worrying about. But overall, the Lakers have built a hell of a team and they come in at fifth on this list. To end off this first episode of the Rene Recap, again, thank you so much for listening with a topic on the Game 3 of the Astros and Yankees. Now, by the time you're listening to this, this would have already happened, and this game is going to be heavy in the books. The game takes place at 4 p.m., today being Tuesday. I believe it's the 14th or 15th of October. And my goodness, is this going to be a really, really fun matchup. If you're not doing anything at around 4 p.m. today, Maybe you're getting off work, you can turn on the radio, or watch, your f- watch it on your phone on the way back, but I am telling you, this is going to be a game you are going to want to watch. Severino, who is someone who has been injured basically the entire year, he's only played five full games in 2019, but he's come off really hot from his injury, has a 1.5 ERA, and is leading a Yankees team that is not only at home, but has batters that can hit home runs a plentiful. 
of the thing and the reason that Severino and the Yankees are actually not a favorite, a favorite, excuse me, to win this game by Vegas at home in game three to take this series is because of Garrett Cole. Holy crap, is this guy good at baseball? When we talk about an ace and Garrett Cole, they can't be any closer. I mean, this man is unreal. He has not received a loss, I repeat, a loss in 24 starts. The last time he lost was in freaking May 22nd. He is elite this year. No one can stop him. Does not matter that he's going up against the Yankees and they can hit home runs. You don't hit home runs against him. Plain and simple. He has a 1.66 ERA over the season. My goodness, that's good. I do believe due to the fact that Severino is a little bit banged up as far as he's always injured and you know this is only his fifth start that is this is excuse me going to be a really big moment and maybe a little bit too big of a moment for a young Severino but I'd say most likely Severino gets himself in a situation where maybe someone like Altuve gets on base and they start to put some pressure on him with just these tiny little singles that are just like little uh, paper cuts he just gets a bunch of paper cuts and Jared Cole is someone who is so dominant that I don't even think the Yankees are going to be able to hit for the first five innings of the game. And the Astros could do a really good job of getting out to a quick lead and suppressing that home field advantage, which is what I look to happen and why I'm betting $8 to win five on the Astros on the money line of negative 155 this week. It's like the Astros Red Sox series. That was an absolutely thrilling series. I believe the Yankees-Astros series this season is very similar in that every single game is a must-watch, and specifically watching this guy, Jarrett Cole, who, by the way, was drafted with the number one pick in the draft by guess who? The Yankees. is a lifetime, I repeat, a lifetime Yankees fan, and this could be the perfect game to show him, hey, you might want to get me back on my contracts over this season. But this year, I'm getting the Astros to the World Series, and we're going to win that thing. And I think it all starts here with Garrett Cole suppressing a really good offensive-loaded Yankees and doing it in epic fashion at 4 p.m. today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Rene Recap. I just want to quickly mention at the end of the episode that I do appreciate many of you who are listening on CastBox. But I would like to get people more and more over to my other avenues of ways to listen to the podcast, which would be Apple Music. You can look up the Renee Report, um, Google Podcasts. I mean, pretty much anything that you want to look it up on, you can find it. So tell as many people about it as you can. I'm going to be doing this very, very religiously from now on. It's something that I just love doing and I'm having a lot of fun with. Just listening is enough. Thank you so much. I hope you're having an amazing week and continue to. This has been another Renee recap. Thank you, and I'm out. Peace.